Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Hi, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show, right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. This is the program that shows you how to turn your obstacles into opportunities and your problems into solutions and make your dreams come true. And I have an exciting guest for you today. My guest is an executive chef on the Windstar Cruise Line. His name is Joseph Kalniuk, and he is the executive chef on Windstar Cruises, a line that operates small luxury cruise ships. Chef Joseph ensures that each guest enjoys every meal on board the ship as he prepares his dishes with intricacy and pride. As a young boy, Joseph was interested in cooking, especially alongside his Ukrainian grandmother, who would tell him, Joseph, if you're not cooking with buttercream and alcohol, you're just not cooking. At the age of 14 in the Nigeria area, he had the opportunity to start his culinary journey at Dominic's Yorkshire House, where Chef Dominic Chirico, a Swiss chef, refined his skills. Joseph felt the passion of cooking and has never left the kitchen since. He completed his schooling at St. Catharines, Ontario, with advanced studies in accounting and business practices, and furthered his culinary skills in New Brunswick, Canada, attaining honors with the Culinary Certified Red Seal in 1993. Chef Joseph has been working in the cruise industry since 2000, working at Holland America, Royal Caribbean, Pulmentor, and then was offered a position with Seaborne Cruise Lines as executive chef de cuisine. Now, with Windstar Cruise Line as an executive chef, Chef Joseph is aware of all aspects of the culinary operation, from satisfying all the individual crew tastes of 30-plus different nationalities to specializing in the international food served to guests. And today, we're really going to talk about how he operates the kitchen, the elements of preparing food for cruise lines, the aspect of cruise life for staff and crew, and how he's a global traveler, and much more. Welcome, Joseph. Hi, good morning. Welcome. Thank you very much. I appreciate the offer. Oh, good. I'm so glad. All right. Now, I read in the bio that you decided you wanted to become a chef at age 14. Yes. And even before that, um, there's pictures of me with my grandmother in a high chair. Um, my mother, my grandmother was Ukrainian, and I'd be pinching pierogies just like the rest of the family with flour and dough all over the kitchen. Um, even to leading up to my grandmother would have the oven door open at maybe four and five, and I would stand on the open oven door and stir the borscht for her and assist her in the kitchen, um, e- even at such a young age. Like five or six or seven? Yeah, four, five, six, seven. It was it was a big thing for us to be, um, as children, to be very involved in the food process with my grandmother. Um for, for the family, a Ukrainian family, food is life. Uh, I mean, everything revolves around food. Everything is done in the kitchen. Mm. So having said that, when did you just say, I really want to be a chef? And when did you know you wanted to be a chef on the open seas, on a cruise line? Well, I had my first opportunity in um, like a commercial kitchen. Um, a friend of mine, uh, Stephen Sharico. His father owned um, Dominic's Yorkshire House, and they had someone off sick for the weekend. And I went in and I did a weekend um, doing prep and a little bit of mise en place 
helping out in the kitchen. It was the first time I was ever in a commercial kitchen. And that was the Friday. On the Sunday, I finished the weekend. Monday, I went there after school and he paid me cash. And so this was much better than the paperboy money. And so <laughs> I went back um, the next Friday and he commented, why are you here? And I said, um, well, I really enjoyed it. I would like to volunteer my time and learn more in the kitchen. It was very exciting. And so mm -hmm. I spent about uh, two years with Dominic. And then I was offered a position um, in the apprenticeship program. And I wasn't old enough to, um, to join the apprenticeship program because I wasn't even 16 years old yet. And so it, it kind of blossomed from there. It went straight through all of the Niagara region right up until the time I was at uh, Billingsgate Fish Market, 300-seat um, dining room with an oyster bar, uh, hmm. 25 different kinds of fish on the menu. You really specialize in, in um, fresh seafood. We had lobster tanks. Uh, Graham Pobjoy would fly in lobsters from Newfoundland. And every Friday afternoon, um, he would drive to Toronto, pick them up in his little mom's soccer van, and um, bring, the, bring the lobsters to the restaurant. And then we had a big 10,000-gallon um, uh, lobster tank in the back of the restaurant that we maintained. And wow. so we would have live lobsters and, and, and fresh lobsters served throughout the weeks. Um, I mean, which city was this? Where, where was this? This was St. Catharines, Ontario. Wow. So yeah. how did you move from that into the cruise line? Well, I was at um, Casino Windsor, Windsor, Ontario. Um, I was there working um, with, um, we had 21 different uh, sous chefs. We had two executive sous chefs and we had an executive chef. And I was one of the sous chefs at the time. Um, and I was offered a position with Holland America Cruise Line. A friend of mine was working with Holland America at the time, and and he said, well, they're hiring uh, sous chefs. And so I put my name in, and I was taken uh, right away. So that would have been in 1999 going into, let's say, 2000. Yeah. Wow. So you started in 2000. And you've gone ever since. My question to you, my first question that I think of is what's the difference between being a chef on a cruise ship, whether it's a big line or a little line, and being a chef in a hotel or in a restaurant on land? Well, I, I think the biggest thing is planning, Patricia. Um, we do our we do our our menu sets and we do our process of ordering. We order six, sometimes eight, 10, 12 weeks ahead of time. We know exactly how many um, guests are going to be on board. It's called availability. How many, how many people are going to be on board? Uh, what, what's sailing? How many days of the cruises? Uh, you work, you, you factor in all of that. When, when you look at, um, because I've been a chef on land and I've been a chef at sea. Um, when you're a chef on land, you can always pick up the phone and call the supplier and say, hey, you know, the consumption of chicken is high. I need chicken tomorrow. I, you know, the consumption of milk is high. I, I need some milk tomorrow. But if you're doing a crossing, let's say you're maybe nine days at sea. There's no, there's no grocery store at sea. You can't pass the oil rig and say, Hey, you got a couple dozen eggs for me. Yeah. So what happens if it's not planned properly? What happens if someone orders something and you run out? Or does that happen very often? On well, it doesn't happen very often. Uh, through the supply chain and, and the way that it's set up through like logistics, 
is that it's always a constant supply, whether it's a, a European container or an American container containing, um, let's say, consumables, you know, your plastic wraps and, and your, um, I don't know, p- paper towels, your uh, disposable gloves, all of that kind of stuff. That always comes in because you're ordering that consistently. Um, stuff like your food products, you're getting delivered every um, basically embarkation day. So either every seven or 10 days, 12 days, somewhere in there, you're always getting your fresh produce uh, delivered. And then you'll have like a freezer container and dry goods container come all at the same time in that way. And it's all based on logistics. If you have a delivery where you don't have something come in, um, let's say duck, as an example, doesn't come in. Then we contact the head office and we know that we don't have duck and yet duck is on the menu. And then we can restructure the menus approved by um, our superior um, chefs in the office, and then we do um, associated changes with that menu item on there. So the guest wouldn't even know that that wasn't available because we had offered something as, as let's say, a suitable substitute in just as um, uh, a culinary um, descriptive manner that the item wouldn't even be missed by, by a regular guest. How many meals are prepared each night? Well, on board the Star Legend for Windstar Cruises, we've got different uh, dining options. So we've got Quattro 44 with this um, Anthony Sosa, um, is, is one of the James Beard chefs. Um, and we would do about 40 in there. We've got um, the Star Grill by um, Stephen Reichlin. Um, he, he holds the, uh, the title like the Barbecue Bible. He's, he's a great author. Um, great stuff in there. We would do uh, 25 to 30 out there. And on a beautiful night, we'll do upwards of 40 to 50. Uh, we've got Candles, which is our steakhouse um, with seafood, um, which is a nice dining option. So the the restaurant that is for breakfast and lunch turns into Candles in the evening with little tablecloths and little lights. And, and there's also um, like an alfresco deck out there where you can eat outside. Um, you might do upwards between 50 and 60 there. Now, in the main dining room, in the Amphora, uh, we would do upwards of maybe 200, 220 um, covers for one sitting. Now, it's only one sitting in the dining room, kind of open sitting between seven and nine. And right. so overall, you would do about, say, uh, the ship would hold 325, um, and we would do approximately, on, on a full ship, we would do... Um, 220, 230, somewhere in the dining room. Because some people eat more than one outlet, right? So some people eat in, and maybe maybe they have an early sitting um, in the Quattro 44 as little tapas, little bites, little pica-pica between you you and your wife or your friend and maybe another couple. And then you would all go to, to dinner in the dining room where maybe everybody will go and sit up on the nice deck and and have something in the uh, Star Grill also. Yeah, yeah, which is which is really interesting. Um, in terms of when I think about this, because I've, I've been on the Windstar and I've been on other ships, but there are some ships, Joseph, that are two and 3,000 and 6,000 people, and you wonder how they do it. And can you maintain quality for that many? I mean, you have a small ship, and uh, so what do you think about that? Well, I've worked on large ships, um, some of the larger ships with um, even Holland America. I launched the Westerdam in, I think it was 2000, 
two or three, and and it was what two thousand passengers back then, um, and what nine hundred crew. The intricacy is based on the amount of uh, crew to serve the guests. You know, with Windstar Cruise Lines, we're basically um, almost one to one. So we have say three hundred guests or two hundred and eighty guests, and we have two hundred crew. So it really is almost one-to-one. -one. So the dedication of, of each person on board that ship is solely responsible for ba basically each crew member serves basically one guest. I mean, you can really give that individual attention because it, it's probably the lowest um, guest-to-crew ratio on, on the entire, um, in the entire fleets that, that I know about personally. Some are... Some are as high as uh, 35 to 40 to 1 for crew to guest ratios. So okay. it, it's a lot different because we can give that individual attention. So our individual attention, some of the, uh, some of the items we serve, they're very intricate to plate, let's say, or to prepare or to marinate. And so we can give that individual time to them. Wonderful. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, there's so many more questions to ask. Chef Joseph. Excellent. Excellent. Thank uh, you. And and very much about, you know, what happens with food waste and are the guests eating something different from the crew? And how do you come up with new recipes? All those answers next when we come back with Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on VoiceAmerica.com. We'll be right back. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. It is time to change the negative narrative of divorce. Families are hungry for a different option. Listen to The Good Divorce Show with Karen McNinney. You will discover how to function as one family living in two homes. There are high-functioning, stable, and happy divorce families living in your neighborhood. What's their secret sauce? What did their journey look like? Do they have regrets or recommendations? Let's find out. It's never too late to have a good divorce. The Good Divorce Show, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com.
You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. Hi, everyone. We are back. You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. And my guest is Joseph Kalnick. And he is the executive chef of Windstar Cruises, a line that operates a small luxury cruise ship. And we're talking to Chef Joseph all about the cruise lines and and the food and how it's prepared. And so welcome back, Chef Joseph. And here's my first question. What happens to the waste? So, for example, if you're if you serve food on a buffet, and I've been on the cruise line, and the food was outstanding, but you serve serve food on the buffet, different people are taking it. What happens after that to the food on the buffet? Can you keep that and give that to the crew, or back, you know, to someone else, or what happens? Well, it's all based on time and temperature. Um, United States public health rules and regulations, ship sand. Um, anything is a four-hour rule. If I put it onto the buffet, it's got to be either used or eliminated after four hours. So everything is kind of done in batches. So if it comes out of refrigeration, that means it goes into temperature control as opposed, or it goes into time control. The time control plan means that when it comes out of refrigeration and temperature control, it goes into time. So now it only comes into time when it goes out on a a buffet. So if it hasn't gone out onto a buffet yet, it can still be utilized for other things. So the whole idea is that it's done in small batches to ensure the health and safety of everybody that's safe at sea. So if we have product that's out on a buffet, we don't necessarily take it back and give it to the crew because the last thing you want is 200 sick crew members, right? So the life and the health of everybody on board the ship is your personal responsibility as the chef. And you ensure that everyone is well taken care of from beginning to end, whether they're crew or guest. Mm-hmm. Um, food waste itself, anything that comes off of the buffet, uh, let's say it has bones into it or the guys are doing um, preparation in the galley and it's got pineapple tops or the pineapple skin. All of those things that are non-pulpable. So anything that can't go into a pulper goes into um, separated and segregated into cold refrigerated storage on on board the ship. We've got a special refrigerator for that. Um, Anything that can be pulped is separated and segregated. And then it's pulped when we're out 12 miles out at um, 12 miles out at sea. And we have a food processor on board like a um, you would have a garburetor maybe in your kitchen. Mm -hmm. So you would push the button and the food waste would be pulped out. And instead of your food waste going down your drain, it would go into a separate tank. Once we contact the um, ECR, the engine control room, they've got a special button in there and a special gentleman who, who, an officer who takes care of of that side of it. He logs it in and he pushes the button and now the food waste becomes waste and is sustainable because now we feed the fish at sea. Isn't it? Wow. now for for the rest of it because basically we have a recycling center on board the ship so anything that can be uh, um, thrown into the garbage let's say it's separated and segregated at the source so each area no matter where it is on the ship whether it's in a housekeeping pantry 
whether it's in a bar pantry, whether it's in any of the kitchens, you would have separate garbage pails, kind of like you have the little blue boxes at home. And so in this case here, we would have paper, plastics, we would have glass, we would have tin cans, even to the point where tin cans are rinsed out after they're emptied, the label's taken off if it's a paper label, the paper label's put into the paper container, and now the tin can is rinsed and put into the um, into the tin can container. Um, boxes, cardboard, we have a cardboard uh, wrapper on board the ship. We've got one guy who, who, who does cardboard boxing every single day and turns a big mountain of cardboard into these little bundles. And then again, at the end of the day, everything is separated and segregated at the source. And so now... We've got the food waste gone. We've got the bones and the pineapple tops as an example. We've got the cardboard. We've got the plastic. We've got the tin cans. We've got a glass crusher on board. So all the beer bottles and glass containers and all that goes into crushed glass. And now when we get an approved port, we take all of that food waste that can't be pulped and all of our boxes and and everything, and we take it off of the ship and then it's uh, sent to um, approved uh, receptacles and approved um, local agencies uh, through our port agent, and then they handle it through regular uh, waste, whatever it happens to be. Oil, as an example, from a deep fryer now, because it's used as biohazardous, and then we have to log that in with the staff captain. The staff captain would have to contact the agents ashore side and then all of that would be registered as biohazard material, same as they're like oily rags or something like that. And then it's picked up by approved um, vendors, and then they would take it and dispose of it uh, properly. Fascinating. Let's talk about the crew. From okay. How many countries are they from? And do you does the crew have different a menu or different food than the staff? Yes, we've got yeah. um, we've got a right. So we've got. We've got a crew restaurant and we've got an officer's restaurant. Um, The officer's restaurant and the crew restaurant have specialty prepared menus for them. Um, The crew restaurant menus are um, basically from 30 different nationalities. We do different items every day. Every day for lunch and dinner is an example. We would do Indian vegetarian. Um, We would do ethnic soups from, say, uh, Filipino or Indonesian. Uh, we would do mulligatani from from um, Indian. Uh, we would do just about anything that you can imagine that would come from any particular country. Don't forget, at the end of the day, a lot of the countries still would have the same types of food. So whether you're English or whether you're Indian, you would still eat a curry, as an example. So you can yeah. still put a butter chicken masala on or a mulligatani or a tomato rasham, right, as a soup, and you would still be able to accommodate the needs and all of that. Um, all of it, we, we offer a little bit more variety in the um, the officer's restaurant. The menu that's up available in the veranda every day is available for the officers in the officer's restaurant every day. So whether it's a themed day, um, whether it's Mexican, whether it's Italian, whether it's... Um, you know, whether it's Indonesian or Filipino or going into maybe it's Greek themed lunch um, or we were in Iceland. So we would do Icelandic or Scandinavian and we would do those themed lunches. And that 
is the food that would be available for the officers also in the in the officers restaurant. So, so everybody's well taken care of. Yeah, but and that was the other question about when you're in a country or when you're in a port, do you serve that food or do you even buy that food locally? Like, for example, example, salmon in Norway or in Iceland. Right. Um, even to the point, yes, we do. Um, I do themed lunches based on, like I was saying, in, in Iceland, we did a lot of Icelandic themed lunches where we would have even to the point where an Icelandic grandmother would take um, vegetables from the fall of the year. She would pickle them and put them in the mason jars and, and keep them in her, her uh, cupboard. And then in the in the wintertime, she would take that out, make make a salmon chowder rinse off the pickled vegetables and put that into the salmon chowder. And now you have a pickled vegetable salmon chowder, and that's solely served in Iceland. Um, I've never seen it anywhere else in the world. And that's the kind of stuff that we would do for for lunches for, for a particular region. Right down to we get black and white pudding, say we're in Scotland or Ireland, we would get the black and the white pudding, and we would serve that to our guests as a specialty breakfast. With the tomatoes and the beans and the, you know, um, all of the the little, uh, you know, the sunny egg and the marmalade toast and to pick up the local jams. Do, do you have to ever, are you ever, when you're in port, do you ever go to the market and buy food? Or is, I guess you can't because you need to plan ahead of time. Well, there's certain ports where um, it's a lot different after COVID now. A lot of the markets just aren't the same as they used to be. Um, so we're still developing some of that as shopping with the chef again, um, when I was with different companies and I know that, that Winstar did it also, um, we're, we're just coming back into that season, as they say, when the war, when everybody says, oh, we're going to start cruising again, nobody really told the world, the world didn't know. And so it takes what 18 months, maybe after all of this is over to really establish don't forget, it's manufacturing, it's supply chains, it's all of this. But that market that was open in your favorite country, Turkey, let's say, in Bodrum, is that market the same as it was before? And I go back to it, is the health and the safety and the public health of my guests is still paramount to, to us going and doing shopping with them. I might go to the market, but sometimes it's better for, for me to go with one of my guys than it is to take the chance to go with somebody where it's not either safe or public health uh, regulations wouldn't wouldn't be appreciated by our guests, obviously, also. Yeah, so it's it's all changed because of COVID. So it's you're coming back, basically. Everything yes, you can see it. You can see it really coming back now. So yeah. I would say in the next six months or so, you'll really see a big resurgence of, of everything that was, as I say, pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk to Chef Joseph more about prepping. You know, how do you prep for brunch and for dinner? And what are some of the surprising things he's learned of his chef? And what are some of those things on the menu that people just really love? And what's the most rewarding part of the job? And there's so many questions. So you're listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. And my guest today is Joseph Kalniuk. And he's the executive chef of Windstar Cruises, a line that operates small luxury cruise lines. And Chef Joseph has, has been in the cruise industry since 2000 and has been doing this work for almost four decades in terms of being a chef. Stay tuned, folks. We'll be right back. Mm-hmm. 
Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. It's time to unlock some of the best-kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host, keynote speaker, and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now, she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for the Forbes Factor. We guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. The boroughs are New York City. The burbs are everywhere else. Real estate is the ultimate game of risk and reward. It's the biggest investment most people ever make. Fortunes are made over a lifetime and lost in a day. And we're not playing with Monopoly money. How do you stay ahead? Who's buying? Who's selling? And why? What do they know? We want the truth. You need an edge. Burroughs and Burbs is your secret weapon to giving you the insider knowledge and strategies you need to succeed in the high-stakes world of real estate. From Palm Beach to Palm Springs, Manhattan to Malibu, We press the experts to expose the pain, find the deals, and occasionally predict the future. That's Burrows and Burbs, 3 o'clock Eastern, noon Pacific. Because everyone can make money in real estate. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. Hi, everyone. We are back. My guest is Joseph Kalniuk. And he's the executive chef of Windstar Cruises, a line that operates small luxury cruise ships. And Chef Joseph has been in the cruise industry since 2000. And again, he is on the Windstar Cruise Line, and he is with, now he is on the Star Legend, which is one of the ships on the Windstar Cruise Line. So welcome back, Joseph. Um, let's talk about um, what happened when the seas get rough, you know, and and there's not steady motion, or what happens when something goes out in the kitchen. How do you handle those emergencies? Well, in, in a lot of cases, if the sea is going to be rough, we get pre-notification on that from the staff captain, the, the, the navigational team, and, and the rest of the ship. Are, are well informed of rough seas pending. Um, and then we have protocol on board to, as they say, batten down the hatches, right? And so we have secured trolleys where we have hooks that are attached to the walls. We, we um, secure the trolleys with hooks uh, to the walls. We would have on, uh, say, a flat top uh, um, cooking area where we would cook our stocks and our soups and all of that. 
we would have these little cages that kind of go around the stockpot area so the pots don't move about. Um, in general, we bring everything down to, as they say, half size. Um, everything is done uh, where safety is related. Um, all of that kind of stuff is, is done due to, as they say, rough seas. I've only been in a certain number of, of situations in all my years where, as they say, you can't serve food. You always serve food. You always do. It just means that room service is that much busier. <laughs> is there Going a into, Yeah, so that way the people don't have to walk around the ship, right? And then we just take everybody and we kind of reallocate them and then we provide room service a little, you know, a little bit more often. Is there a dish you would never take off the menu? Well, uh, there's there's a couple actually. Um, with with Windstar Cruise Lines, we have uh, Philip Anchois is is like his salad, right? Who's who's like the owner, right? And so it's Belgium endives and it's blue cheese and and it's got this little lemon uh, vinaigrette onto it, and it, it's one of the most popular. And it, it really is just an excellent salad. But I think if if there's any menu item. Um, that's ever been just as popular as anything else, I would say a real uh, good lasagna bolognese has to be on every menu. Wow, interesting. At least offered once per cruise because it really is that excellent. And it's amazing. You can put you can put a good lasagna beside a, um, a grilled uh, filet and people will take the lasagna because they know how difficult it is to make it at home and they want to have it. And, and that's the kind of thing that they're really looking for. Sometimes it's that that... that um, comfort food that takes you back to a certain place in time that that's the thing that I want. It's pretty amazing how much lasagna would serve in, in, a, in the course of an evening. Amazing. What about prepping? Uh, is it different prepping uh, for lunch or for dinner and even breakfast? No, I think it's like everything else. It, it's um, If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. So everything's done basically one day ahead of time at least. Uh, some of your marinations and all of that kind of stuff is done um, even more than one day or two days ahead of time because of the, the length of time for the marinades to get in and, and really make the meat or the fish or the or the chicken really taste like what the authentic authenticity that you're really looking for. Um, but I would say everything is done basically a day ahead and it's finished the day of, right? That way, you know, you don't run into problems. You can do all your menu briefing and testing and all of that. We do menu briefings at, let's say, 1030 in the morning for the veranda for lunch that opens at noon. Um, we do 1145. We do a menu briefing and tasting up in the veranda just before it opens for the last minute um, items. We do menu briefing and tasting for the dining room, um, for the Amphora dining room with the waiters and, and my culinary team. We line up everything that's going to be served in the dining room um, for a menu briefing at 545. Everybody gets together. They showcase their, their items um, for taste and texture, flavors, make sure everything is exactly the same as it's supposed to be, uh, visually presentable. And then we go out and we do that with the waiters also. And then we go up into candles and we do a tasting there and, and quattro also. And then go out to the star grill and make sure everything is excellent out there. It never stops. You have to day. double check everything. Every day. Every day. Every day. Now, 
one thing I was thinking about when I used to go on cruises many years ago, remember all the midnight buffets mm -hmm. <laughs> would, you know, would come back and say, I just gained weight because of the, you know, the cruise. You don't see that today. You don't see the midnight buffets. Talk about that and how, how the way you serve and even the food choices are different than it might've been 10, 15 years ago. Well, I think in a lot of cases, people are, are looking at food a lot differently. Um, I think you can kind of look at it like sustainability. If our guests live longer, that means that we have guests that live longer and then they can keep coming back to us more, more often and, and for a longer period of time. We've got um, a program in place with the, um, the uh, United States uh, Health Association where we have a little green leaf on, on some of our menu items um, and they are plant-based and so it's no oil, no sugar, no salt. Um, generally gluten-free. Um, we do um, an item on dinner. Let's say we've got um, a black bean brownie with tahini and served with uh, macerated strawberry, and that would be all plant-based. Um, we would have, let's say, a chili, a vegetarian chili and, and chickpea, right, on a baked potato as, as, a, as an item that we offer with a nice um, sweet, spicy tomato sauce. This is like an entree in the dining room. Um, we would have different soups. You could do roasted butternut squash soup, like a velouté, um, and serve it with um, toasted um, uh, pumpkin seeds or sesame seeds. Um, and, and that would be, again, um, all of the choices still are going into the um, plant-based program that, that we're, we have set up. Um, the menu features dishes uh, that are no added salt, sugar, and they're also gluten-free. Um, another good example um, would be we have um, like a lemon cheesecake, and it's called the lemon cheesecake because of the texture of it. And it's made in, in, a, in a way that the flavors are combined beautifully, and it has the texture of a cheese, and yet it, it doesn't because it's a cashew-based uh, dessert. So it really has changed. More people are eating plant-based. But the, the, are, the, are the midnight buffets gone on most cruise lines now? I can't speak for other cruise lines, but we, we don't have, um, we do, we don't have a, a midnight buffet. It's nothing that our, our guests, I think, that would really be interested in. If we have, let's say, a late tour coming back, and we know that we have late tours coming back on certain occasions, um, we would do, uh, we would restructure the dining room. And, and keep the dining room open for that for that tour. Um, and then they would have something to have. But we have room service available 24 hours a day also. Yeah, which is really great because then you don't miss anything. You don't miss right, anything. exactly. And even for room service, you can have the room service menu delivered to your suite between 7 and 9 o'clock at night. Same as the dining room menu. You can have that delivered even in, in different courses that you'd like to have it delivered into. What would you say is the most surprising thing that you have learned as a chef? Well, um, I think the most surprising thing is that um, I think it's like anything else. They say that time heals all wounds, right? Not necessarily physically, but, but mentally. Um, if, if you're doing this for such a long period of time and you're dealing with, I think the most important thing that you have is, is your crew itself and, and the people themselves they have they haven't changed at all it, you know if that kind of makes any sense i think that's the most surprising thing is that when you get into this as as a young chef 
you think that everything will change and everything will change and you have to stay current and constant with it. Well, you do in the food aspect of it. But my surprise is that the crew never changed. Mm -hmm. I've worked with crew members from his father was one of my galley foremen. His father was a galley foreman that I worked with, you know, like 20 years ago. And he's a galley foreman. I've worked with people who their grandfather, I worked with his grandfather and he was a, a vegetable prep cook. And so the, the most surprising thing I would say is the people don't change, um, yet the food evolves. And you see the team kind of roll through the, the seasons and they roll through your seasons and your years. And yet the people still tend to be the same. Um, I, I don't think there's any real, what's the big shock in a kitchen? No, it's that things don't necessarily change and you have to just update and keep updating and keep training and developing. What I'm hearing you're saying is that the people, when you say don't change, the way we treat people and the way we work with them and treat them as a team, I think that's what you mean, that it's it's the people skills are, are what's important and don't change. Right. The, yes, exactly. So we, we kind of keep the people we motivated, let's say, through um, information. Information is your strongest tool. Um, we have menus that are posted, you know, like five, six days ahead of time so they know exactly what they're doing. Um, we have the event calendar for the week, the cruise layout, so that everybody is well-informed. A well-informed team means that everything will run smoothly. Again, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Um, we have, uh, uh, going back to motivation, um, usually every week we have uh, a family gathering, let's say, in the galley, and it's called a family makan, like a family meal. And everybody in the kitchen, um, each team, let's say, would prepare uh, a food item from, let's say, their grandmother. So maybe I would prepare a borscht, somebody from Mexico would prepare a ceviche, the pastry team might prepare some um, ensamada bun from, from the Philippines, and everybody would kind of get together and have that family meal and tell a little story about the food that they're presenting to the team, and then we would all get together and just kind of share, you know, like let's say that 45 minutes or that hour of being people. Mm -hmm. in a family environment and it's and it means so much and i've done this for my entire career at sea and and so you say this is you've done you've seen this in other places i mean this is this is not just uh what you're seeing currently the camaraderie no, i've done it for i've done it myself for 20 years wow and i bet that's part of what makes your team work so well joseph I, yeah it makes it you know it makes it more real it makes it more you know, and it's funny when you stand in that environment and you talk to people around you and you see them talking to other people and you see them laughing and joking with each other. And, and that next day when, when everybody is back to, as they say, back to what we're here to do, there's that deep breath that comes into the kitchen. And it's like everybody's kind of revitalized and, and they feel that, wow, it really is a family. And they don't mind jumping in and helping the other guy because that guy is the guy that was there and he was for me. And we were talking about this and his mother's going through the same thing as my mother and all of that kind of stuff. And it really does build that family bond that I don't think hotels could ever have. Wonderful. All right, we're going to take one more break. When we come back, we'll ask Chef Joseph some things like, what's your favorite time of year for food? What's the best meal you've ever had? Um, what's the most exciting thing you've tasted? What do you eat when you're home? 
So All right, stay- cool. All right. Stay tuned, folks. We'll be right back with Chef Joseph, who is the executive chef on the Star Legend cruise ship, which is part of the Windstar Cruise Line. We'll be right back. A little birdie told me Voice America is on Twitter. Follow us at Voice America TRN. Get Unchained. Tune in every Wednesday for Unchained TV on the Voice America Variety Channel. Featuring nationally recognized, best-selling author, TV journalist, and the founder of the Unchained TV free streaming network, Jane Velez Mitchell. This program takes you inside a trending lifestyle that's the next wave of human evolution. It all starts on your plate. If you want to revolutionize your life, get happier, more energized, then discover the secret. Tune in to Unchained TV, Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Today, our 40s sit firmly in midlife. We are starting to feel our place and have many productive years ahead. But now is the best time to plan for our future life. Listen for 45 Forward with host Ron Roel. From retirement to health and technology to caring for our parents, no topic is off the table. We don't have a roadmap to our actual future, but we can start to plan more effectively. Tune into 45 Forward, Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. Hi, everyone. We are back. And my guest is Joseph Kalnick. And he is the executive chef of Windstar Cruises. And the, the line is the Star Legend cruise ship. And that, again, is part of the Windstar Cruise Line. And this is a line that operates small luxury cruise ships. He started at the age of 14 in, this, in the food business and, and really was inspired by his Ukrainian grandmother. And Chef Joseph has been in the cruise industry since 2000. And he now is with Windstar as the executive chef. So welcome back, Chef Joseph. So, Oh, thank you. A couple of personal questions here. Um, what's your favorite time of year for food? Well, I think like everybody else as a chef, it's, it, it, it revolves around Christmas time. Um, it was always a very special time um, in my life. It's where everybody kind of, you know, being Ukrainian and everybody came from, we don't even know where they came from, half of them. Um, but everybody would show up at Nanny's place. 
and and it was and even now to today's day is that there's so much variety in the christmas and how to make so many meals so quickly and and then boom it's gone and everybody just kind of sits back and goes well wow, that was amazing you know when it it's the food and everything kind of culminates together for this one or two meals that really is that special because they are only made at that certain time of the year and those are the meals it's that cultural feeling of togetherness that you can share with others because that's what food is all about it's that sharing of 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 the love of food what's your what's your favorite food or the best thing you've tasted or is it, does it depend on sort of the country that it's from well, you know, and it's funny because it, there's a lot of things that I've, I've tasted in my entire life. I think the best meal that I've ever had was my, my wife, Janice, and I. We got married at um, Crane Ridge in, in Jamaica here in St. Anne. And that whole day, that whole meal, that whole... And again, it revolves around the family and the philosophy of love of food and food is love. And it was the wine and the combination of everything that we did um, that day, I think that was still my most memorable meal. Um, and, and it was like the tarragon chicken had just this certain, um, as they say, what do you say? Je ne sais quoi, that, that certain feeling of the food and the wine was perfect for it. Um, I think some of the strangest food I've ever had, I was at the uh, Melbourne um, market doing shopping with the chef one time. And they had curried crocodile, and everybody in the, our group had curried crocodile. And we had... Um, How was that? That was very good. That was very good. It was very tender. And, and it tasted more like um, uh, like frog legs to me than it did anything else, um, which is, you know, another thing that, like, a lot of people, you know, like, what do they call it? Spring chicken, right? A lot of people don't eat these kind of things. Uh, rattlesnake soup I've had. Um, if you can name it, I've probably had it in my lifetime, but I would say one of the, one of the best ones would be, uh, the most unique would be the curried crocodile in, in, in Melbourne, Australia. Wow. Wow. At home, what do you like to eat? And you live well, in... I, I've got a big jerk pan and, and jerk in Jamaica is king. Um, I've been in competitions in Jamaica for, for many years when I was, when I was a little bit younger. And you would show up at competitions and they would see you come into the competition and they would just roll up their knives and, and basically that's it. I'm, I'm not even going to compete. <laughs> I sent a guy off one time because he wasn't dressed properly and he wasn't clean shaven. And I said, when I beat you at this competition, I want your picture looking better than you look right now. And I'll hold the competition. You go get a shave and you come back. And he did lose. And his picture was in the paper beside me and he thanked me. Um, <laughs> That's a little side story, sorry. Um, but I think jerk in, in general in, in Jamaica, so that spicy scotch bonnet pepper sauce with the scallion and the thyme and all of that that goes into making a good jerk chicken, two or three hours on the grill, pork or lobster. Take the jerk seasoning now and add a touch of vanilla to it and marinate the side of a, a, a red snapper filet and put it on a banana leaf and, 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 and smoke that for an hour. And when you eat that fish there, there will be nothing like it ever you will ever taste in the world. And that's that's the true meaning of food and, and love and, and fun of food for me. And and a lot of what you're describing, you know, the combinations we would really never think of, you know, at, at, if we're not 
in this business. But my question is, what would you say is your overall cooking philosophy? And along with that, what do you advise to people who love to cook or want to cook more? Well, I think the philosophy goes back to the love of food, the love of crew, right? The people that actually work with you, they don't work for you, right? Mm -hmm. and, it, and it's a feeling of brotherhood, again, going back into the kitchen. You know, it, it is a, uh, like a, it's based on like a military brigade. They call it a kitchen brigade because, you know, like there's one commander in chief and then there's all the soldiers and everything else that goes with it. But I think the love of crew makes the love of food and they have to go hand in hand. You can't have good food if you're if you're a brow beating, screaming, yelling, uh, throwing chef. You will never get a good product. Um, if you treat people with loving kindness, I think that's the the key to good food. Someone once said to me, in fact, I've read this, that the energy of the cook goes into the food. I believe that completely. If you're if you're a person who's demotivated, if you're if you're dealing with uh, let's say depression. Or if you're if you're working in a hostile environment, how can you produce good food when you can't put the love that you have inside you into the food when you're working in a hostile environment? You know, it, it just goes back to everything else. Um, love of food, love of crew. What would you say to people who want to cook more or what would you say to aspiring cooks or aspiring chefs? What would be your advice? Well, I think the I think the biggest problem or the biggest mistake a lot of people make is 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 trying to do something a little bit too advanced for for maybe the knowledge that they have. Um, if you're trying something for the first time, turn the temperature down and put the phone down unless you're reading the recipe on it. Don't answer the phone if you've got almonds in the oven because if you can smell the almonds in the oven, uh, they're burnt already. <laughs> okay. All right. Closing thoughts, Chef Joseph. What would you like to leave our listeners with today about cooking, about being a chef, about traveling around the world, which you certainly have done? I think I think going back to the philosophy of uh, just being a good person, um, um, listen to the crew. I think the most rewarding thing that I would ever have is that when a crew member comes to you and they look for guidance, and you're more of a, a mentor, a father figure to them, and you can help them in that certain situation. That goes through the kitchen like wildfire, that you're really a humanitarian. Um, be good to people. All right. And what's your favorite place of all the places you've been to? Or are there several? Well, for, for the cruise industry, I would say somewhere um, in the fjords, uh, going up into Get Anger, into Flam, take the train. Um, and for me, my favorite place in the world is, is right here at home. My wife and I, we own Roxborough Beach Spa in um, St. Anne's Bay. So if you're looking for a good spa, come on down. In Jamaica. Um, but that is in Jamaica, West Indies, in St. Anne's Bay. Um, but I would say Jamaica is my most favorite place in the world right now. It's been a delight to have you on the program, Chef Joseph. I mean, inspiring, enlightening, educational. Thank you so much. Appreciate Thank it. you very much. It's been a pleasure talking with you, Patricia. Thank you. All right. Stay, stay on the line for a minute. All right, folks, that wraps up this edition of the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. You can find me, Patricia, at patriciaraskin.com, um, and you can get a copy of my newsletter and see all these wonderful guests that I have on each time and each week. All right, everyone. Remember, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Until next time, I'm Patricia Raskin. Bye for now. 
Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of The Patricia Raskin Show. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week.